Welcome to Conversations and Connections with HBA Toronto, the podcast that gives you access to industry pioneers, giving us an opportunity to learn together as we aim to achieve our goal of getting more women into leadership roles. Twice a month, we will be sitting down with influential leaders and HBA members from healthcare and the life sciences to gain valuable insights from their careers and key lessons that they've learned. We will also be bringing you discussions with industry trailblazers around hot topics of the moment. This is a fantastic opportunity for career growth, so please join us. Welcome back, HBA members. Today is episode two, where we will be diving into our hot topic series. I am Christina Bellier, HBA Toronto Marketing and Communications Board member and your host of today's podcast. This is our first hot topic episode, and it is all about diversity and inclusion. The HBA has a nearly 45 year history advocating for gender parity in the workplace. Diversity, equity, and inclusion are the foundation of our existing organizational values, our culture, and respect for all people and their ideas and identities. We believe that bold, innovative change is needed to create more diverse, equitable, and inclusive workplaces. We are excited to be bringing such an important topic to our members today and talking with leaders in our healthcare and life sciences industry about what they're doing in their respective workplaces. We will be then asking them to talk a little bit more about what we can all do in our own places of work. So let's dive in together. I am joined today by two innovative HR folks. We have Angie Ng, the Director, Human Resources, People and Organization from Novo Nordisk. And we also have Rudy... Mangulabnin, I, I hope I said, I think I butchered that, Rudy, apologize, the HR manager from the Canadian Pharmacist Association. So I'll get you both now to introduce yourself to our listeners. Angie, why don't you go first? Thank you, Christina. I am so excited to be speaking with you and also audience today. So thank you for having me. Um, I'm the head of human resources at the Nova Nordisk Canada. I've been privileged to be working with the organization for so many years and also working very much on diversity, equity, inclusion at Nova Nordisk Canada, uh, which we view as a very important mandate and topic. Perfect. And now, Rudy? Uh, yes. And uh, likewise, thank you for uh, inviting me to this, uh, Christina. Um, diversity and inclusion is. Um, a, a big passion of mine and it's it's only really getting a lot of news uh, in the last couple of years and it's uh, it's long overdue uh, so I'm excited to be involved in creating DNI initiatives and I'm excited to talk about it well great thank you both um, for those introductions and really now kind of uh, what I'll get you both to do is talk a, a little bit about um, what your companies are doing and you know initiative that you you yourself have started, you know, within your respective companies. So Angie, if you want to start again and let us know what Novo is doing and what you've done there. Absolutely. We've always at Nova Nordisk Canada been very involved with the diversity, equity, inclusion, and it has always been very important to us. But about three years ago, we started putting more structure and strategy to it. We created a team Um, called Inclusive Leadership Team that oversees that component of it. 
And within the last three years, we have done quite a lot in diversity, equity, inclusion. We have the employee resource. We developed the committee. We had the employee resource group, and currently we have two. Um, we have clubs uh, related to this focus area. We have aligned everything um, that is culturally uh, related and that impact the organization to ensure that we have diversity, equity, inclusion lens. We have just recently uh, revamped um, our diversity, equity, inclusion strategy to really create more of a foundation to make sure that we have all the baseline um, components to it. Things like looking at all the um, policies and reviewing everything, all the systems, policies. And we hear that is a best practice, but it's an, a lot of work that, you know, um, that took us a long time to get to, but we're doing it already. The other thing is having, making sure that our leaders, everything starts at the top, it's trained so that we can model and role model diversity, equity, inclusion. The third thing we're doing is making sure we have all the metrics. We don't have all the data that we need. Our focus is on um, gender equity and also racial diversity. And we're missing the data for racial diversity and also some components of gender diversity. So we are delving really deeply into that. And then from all this work that we're doing, which we expect to take over the next 12 months, we are gonna develop a strategy based on that. So we're holding off on our strategy with making sure we build a strong foundation. And lastly, what we are doing is to, um, we have um, dedicated resources to make sure that our employees know it's very important. It's an important mandate within the organization. So that, what that means is that we're gonna have somebody dedicated to diversity, equity, inclusion, a full headcount, and also resources and working with consultant agencies to make sure that we are aligned. So that, that's what we're doing. <laughs> that is so impressive. And how are the employees um, kind of engaging and reacting to, you know, all these great new initiatives that you're doing? Well, what surprises was how excited they are. You know, the participation, the membership into various um, initiatives we have uh, implemented, including the employee resource group. There's definitely a lot of excitement, a lot of um, uh, support and a lot of engagement in this area. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, and like I said, because this is so important and so topical, it's it's great to see that you're making so many strides, even just this year, to make some changes. And, and now, Rudy, over to you. What is uh, what are you doing at the Canadian Pharmacists Association? And you know, you said you're passionate about this. So, so tell us a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, I, I, let me just add, Andy. I think it's great that you're investing a resource in in DNI. It's a massive undertaking. Uh, so, so good on you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so to, to put it into a little bit of context, I am still fairly new at CPHA, started back in November. Uh, prior to, I was the HR manager for international operations at an international humanitarian organization, um, where I was responsible for managing emergency deployments globally. Uh, and I could see how um, diversity and inclusion works in an emergency setting, in a global setting. Um, so it really forces you to look at DNI on, on a different kind of scale when you're taking into account different countries and cultures. Um, so it, it really made me look at things uh, quite differently and holistically in many ways. 
Um, you know, and I'm hoping to take some of those things uh, from that organization into CPHA. Um, you know, so we're very much in our infancy uh, uh, in, in terms of putting DNI uh, uh, together at CPHA. So uh, it's only been this year that we uh, put together uh, what we call a diversity and inclusion framework. Uh, and I was very specific in calling it a framework. I didn't want to call it a program or a policy. I wanted to make sure that it's understood that this was going to be part of the structure of what CPHA is and what we do, that it's part of everything. Um, you know, we also put together a uh, diversity and inclusion working group, um, and they're heavily involved in almost every decision when it comes to any sort of uh, policy uh, change or initiative. Um, so we're currently working on uh, what I'm calling statements of commitment. So each department will have their own diversity and inclusion statements of commitment. And then there'll be an overarching uh, CPHA statement of commitment. Um, you know, some of the other things we've done, we, we've kind of taken a look at what we already have and reviewing it. Um, that'll take some time to get through everything, but we'll get there. Um, and some of the things that we're working on further down the road is developing a DNI curriculum, uh, as well as a, a mentorship program. I love that. And so for our listeners, um, and some of you know, and some of you don't know, I also work at Canadian Pharmacists Association, CPHA. I've been there for seven years. And, and you know, having Rudy come in and, and create these programs has been so refreshing and exciting. And so taking myself out, you know, Rudy, how... Be like because you said a lot of this is in its infancy. So how are you finding um, the staff are sort of reacting and, and the employees are reacting to to you doing these you know these new initiatives? It, it's interesting. It's actually surprised me in some respects. Uh, so you know I started doing some small things. What I thought were small things uh, was just posting. If I think about, uh, we had posted just a recognition of Ramadan on our intranet. That alone garnered so much response that I wasn't prepared for. I didn't think it was that big a deal, uh, but apparently it was. And uh, it's generated a, a lot more engagement than I truthfully was expecting. And people are coming at me with different ideas and what we can do as far as what we can post and recognize. And people are giving me ideas on different uh, training programs. Uh, so it's, it's been remarkably positive. That's great. And I know I'm really looking forward to, you know, what you're coming up with. And, and I'm actually going to be working with Rudy tomorrow doing my department's uh, statement of commitment. I, I think that's, that's what we said, right, Rudy? Um, yeah. And, and like I said, it is, it is new for us, but so very important, especially with my involvement uh, in the HBA and sort of seeing that sort of full circle in my own organization. And so that really leads us to, we're going to have a, a really nice sort of um, discussion about what we all can do in our workplaces and have, you know, Rudy and Angie talk about and give us advice um, for different DNI initiatives. Um, so I want to start with, and kind of both of you feel free to jump in um, and just really let's have kind of a conversation around the super important topic. So the first um, point of discussion will be, what is your biggest piece of advice for getting started with diversity and inclusion initiatives? 
I'll go first. Would that be okay with you, Rudy? Absolutely. It's so many, it's, you know, there are so many that I can choose from, but one of the biggest one that we learned is that, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion is complex. And this area is evolving quite a bit. And I think you would agree with that as well too, right, Rudy? Um, So my biggest advice is to really know that it's a journey. It's not a destination. You, You keep moving, you keep evolving and keep learning. You're not gonna be perfect, but just keep moving. Yeah, I think one of the things for me um was that it, it's incredibly overwhelming when you look at the whole picture um and i remember thinking it when i presented to our senior management team this these are all the things i'd like to do around diversity and inclusion I'm like oh where do i even begin <laughs> so i uh you know i kind of take you know take small victories where i can you know take take what we already have and I'll look at it with a critical eye, um, you know, garner as much feedback as you can along the way. But uh, like you said, Angie, I, I think it's, there isn't an end point to this. Yeah, yeah. And I think you just actually segued really nicely. So you talk about, you know, talking to senior management. So the, so the next thing is, is how do you get the entire company, the leadership, the senior management on board with new initiatives like, like these? Um, well, maybe I can throw a stab at it. Um, I, so in agreeing with Angie, I think it needs to start from the top uh, as far as modeling behaviors. Um, but I think there are some very actionable things that can be done from the ground up, uh, which I'm a big fan of. So for example, these statements of commitment, they're very much from the ground up. Um, because the more you get people involved um, at the at, from the entry level uh, and working their way up, I, I think you get more buy-in that way. Mm-hmm. That's great. I totally agree with you, Rudy. Um, from my perspective, first of all, we are still on a journey, as I mentioned earlier, and um, we're learning as we go. But what we find that our employees really wanted to be involved they are very engaged in this initiative. And um, what we learned is that you have to meet people where they are and be consistent with it. And to get the company involved, the key, one, number one thing is really to communicate. Um, and we communicate in so many ways. We need to communicate what exactly we're doing, why we're doing it, what we're doing, when and how. And we also listen to our employees as well too. So what we want to do is have, a, you know, we want them to share the voices with us. And over time, what we found is they start to share the experiences with us. And that's when we know that we're really starting to break through. Um, and this is really important because we know that um, a lot of the biases come are learned. So by um, being more exposed to them and being through communication, we can teach people and we can help people understand that, um, you know, we need to change. We need to have different perspective. And that's very, very key. In terms of what we do with the leaders is that, again, um, like what I said earlier and what Rudy mentioned too, we start at the top. So what we already started with the leadership team is that we started having um, we started having them train. We had them interview. 
And that's really, really hard. And we have them being coached. And then we have sessions so that we can level set our knowledge. That way we can't hide behind the word diversity, equity, inclusion. We really have to model it. And again, you can see how vulnerable this is uh, that our leadership team is going through because it's easy to say diversity, equity, inclusion and don't really understand what it means. So being interviewed and then being coached, um, that is what we're doing with them. And we know that through that process, they will be able to role model and shape the organization over time. Sometimes you have to present data to them. Like they won't get it unless you, they won't understand the value until you tell them, well, it's going to result in A, B, and C. And there is a ton of research out there about uh, companies that are more diverse, are more profitable, more creative, have higher engagement, lower turnover. There's a ton of data out there. Uh, And some people leadership need to see that before they can commit to any kind of, that kind of cultural change. I totally agree. You know, Rudy, we, um, last year, we created our own survey, our in-house survey on diversity, equity, inclusion. And the results was quite interesting. Uh, We had very good uh, positive results overall. But what it told us was two things that, for example, um, we have a little bit of work to do in terms of females in belonging. And also we had very few, um, we have much lower um, you know, representation from our racial minority group, which is interesting to us because we are a very diverse organization. So this tells us that this data tells us we have work to do, but we needed more information and we needed more support in terms of how we're going to dig out those data. And that's why we engage an external con- con- uh, consultation firm to assist us with that process. But I agree, that's very key. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, if, especially if you can engage. Um, I, I mean, everything that you're saying, that's that's a lot. So having, you know, looking at external people that you can bring in, that's an idea as well. And you talked about having people um, have, you know, shared voices and experience. Rudy, you mentioned how you would posted about Ramadan and on the intranet. So how do you foster an environment where people who come from different backgrounds know that their ideas, you know, are valued? It's not going to happen overnight. <laughs> it happens, I, for me anyways, in my experience, it happens one conversation, one sort of dialogue at a time. Uh, I tried to actually do that uh, a few months ago, fairly early when I started at uh, CPHA on Pink Shirt Day. Um, I shared, you know, a fair bit about myself. Uh, I kind of put myself out there, hoping to create uh, sort of environment that says, you know, I'm willing to put myself out there. It's okay if uh, if you feel comfortable doing the same. Uh, I also set the tone in our diversity and inclusion working group uh, and trying to create a safe space there um, and saying that there aren't going to be any bad ideas. There may be some non-feasible ones. Um, <laughs> And that it, it's okay to make mistakes. I've made mistakes. The, the way people use terms today, you couldn't use, you know, a few years ago. Um, we're going to make mistakes along the way, and that's okay. I totally agree with you, Rudy. It is definitely a learning process. Um, and again, I said that it, this is a journey. It's definitely complex. Um, it really comes from uh, respecting basic human needs. 
at the core foundation, we all want to be seen and we want, all want to be heard. And if we remember this, especially at the leadership level and be able to role model, we can definitely uh, foster and culture this kind of environment. But I agree with you, it takes time and it's slow moving, but you know, this can happen. Um, I think it does start with being able to be vulnerable and being able to be honest and transparent. Only what you do know, uh, what you don't know, what you want to learn and being curious. And this really does start the conversation going and allow people to really share their experience and express their ideas. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, um, and, you know, for anyone, I know when Rudy came on board, and I have it as a sticky note that I want to be seen, valued, heard and respected. And so I encourage, you know, all our listeners to go um, and speak with their HR, because a lot of the times it so many things can result just from that one conversation, uh, you know, with your with your HR leaders, managers, directors, you know, whoever they might be. And then, you know, like I said, we've got so many now, you know, reducing new initiatives at CPHA um, to address all of that. And I think that's so great because, you know, you to, like you said, there's so many stats on when you have diversity and when people feel so seen, valued, heard, respected, that they're going to, you know, the longevity, the profits, all of, you know, those great things are going to just increase. Um, so, you both talked a lot about initiatives um, and what you're doing. And a lot of this is, which is so great because it's, you know, new, some are some new initiatives, some are longer. So if the question is, if you'd, you know, started a task force, who's involved in the membership of your diversity task force, what types of responsibility does this group, you know, take on? So I know Rudy, why don't, why don't you jump in and talk a little bit about your brand new task force that you have at CPHA? Yeah, again, brand new being the uh, appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not overly structured, but I am I am really pleased to see that we have a pretty uh, wide range of uh, wide range of people, um, uh, including our CEO, um, which, which I think is great because mm-hmm. it, it, again, this is sort of leadership um, embracing uh, DNI initiatives. And I think uh, when we're in these meetings, I think he takes off his CEO hat uh, while he's there. At least that's the impression that I get, um, and that he just becomes an active, uh, an active member. Um, now, what's interesting is that each of us has sort of different areas of interest. Uh, so some are interested in, you know, sort of policies and processes. Some are interested in external messaging. Um, so we all have different sort of strengths and interests in, in different areas. So uh, I guess over time, my role will be to kind of harness harness that. Um, right now, it's a little bit of every person for themselves and contribute where you can. Um, but we'll tighten things up as we go along. That's great. Angie? Um, our task force is started three years ago, as you know, our committee, and uh, we are in the process of evolving it. What we've done differently and what really helped us, um, you know, was really making sure that we have cross-functional partnership in this. Um, you know, in the past, we have HR lead this, and we found that people would call it the HR thing, and we didn't want it to be that, and we wanted to make sure that it's recognizable and people know that it's an organization. We are all responsible for it, it's key. 
In fact, the first executive sponsor for this team um, was not was in the medical area. She was the VP of uh, medical area, and our chair is um, in uh, in uh, marketing. So now we have switched it to me, but. In the past, we always want to make sure that we have somebody from across the organization. And we balance it between employee um, and also uh, senior leaders, because we don't want this to be all senior leaders. We wanted to make sure that we hear voices from every part of the organization. So our team is uh, very balanced in that regard from all parts of the organization, from the field, from the office, uh, from different levels of the organization. And we try not to have, even have too many senior leaders in that team just to make sure that um, they're not intimidated and they, that they will share their voice. So that's that. Um, in terms of what they do is that it's very much involved in the strategy. Our task force really makes sure that we're doing the right thing. Sometimes it's not, most times it's actually at this point, not the shiny thing. Uh, it's not the great recognition thing. It's really very much the foundation. We're building that to make sure that we're building the right strategy, that we're investing in the right places. Uh, we have the budget uh, required to make, to do the work that we need to do, uh, things like that. So that's what we've been working on for the last, uh, last little while. And to kind of both of you, you you touched on it because you have a lot of people across the organization. How do you make them feel comfortable speaking up, to, you know, when there is, you know, senior management or, you know, like in our, you know, at CPHA, the CEO is involved. So how can you talk a little bit about how to create that space, like Rudy was saying, on, on being letting the staff and those be vulnerable in these groups? <laughs> it's that's a it's a loaded follow-up question that was not that was not on the you know the, the script but <laughs> kind of <a> courteous <laughs> do you want me to go first I, I can definitely go first go, go for it well this is very helpful because we have employees from across the organization again at all different levels that they will get the information from their group and be able to feed it back. In addition to that too, we have a two employee resource group and we're hoping to have even more. But the two employee resource group, they're so well in demand and they're doing so well that they're really getting out to the organization. And in the employee resource group, um, especially with the one that's uh, going very strong at this point, which is for the LGBTQ2 plus community, there's no executive in there, representation in there. They reach, they have such a wide audience reach. It's, it's, I've been so impressed with them wow. and the work that they've been doing. They've been garnering so much um, attention and getting so much feedback. And they've done such good work that they're feeding information to our own um, inclusive leadership team and then to the executive team. So we're definitely hearing a lot of voices, a lot of um, wonderful feedback in where we're doing not as well and where we could do better and where we are doing well. Yes, it sounds like people are really feeling comfortable to speak up and share, you know, share these ideas mm -hmm. or, or everything with you. Um, and then you talked a little bit about the, the employee res resource group. So can you just touch a little bit more on, on what that is for, you know, for our audience? Absolutely. The employee resource group, um, we have two, one on the LGBTQ plus community and the other one for 
um, gender equity. So the um, the uh, employee resource group, the LGBTQ2+, is called the ARC, which is for the Rainbow Community. And they've been doing so well. Um, they actually were created by the employee. We provided the framework and the um, structure, and they've been taking off. They have done every so much work uh, within the last two years on um, gaining uh, recognition for this community. And recently, what they even done is they review um, policies, many of our human resources policies, to make sure we are much more inclusive and making recommendations. And because of all that work, we've been able to escalate it to um, our other, you know, HR communities, and we're looking at all those policies in addition to having some externally review. They also brought in recognition. For example, we have Fluffy Souffle, <laughs> who recently, um, you know, um, you know, presented um, her information to wow. our organization for Pride Month. So we have so much work around that, and more than half of the organization participated in that workshop. That's how much interest there is. So this is really or um, employee-driven um, group based on their passion and uh, the work that they want to do. Oh, and, and yeah, thank you for sharing that. That is. Um... That's especially with, with June just ending being Pride Month. I'm sure that they were very busy, and it's you know people feeling feeling very you know valued and heard uh, at Novo. So that's awesome. And then Rudy, kind of over to you if you want to sort of add any anything else. Yeah, I, I was going to say I I think uh, we're working on a culture within our group about mm -hmm. calling calling each other out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> noted. Regardless of what level you're at. So if okay. whether it's me or if it's a CEO, it's okay to say, no, I think we should do something differently or this should be worded differently. Um, you know, when I've sort of crafted a, a message that's going to the staff, I'll always ask for the working group's input. Um, and they're not shy about saying, no, I think it should be, you know, we should have this, this, and this. Um, and our, our CEO included, if, you know, if he makes, uh, if he makes a comment, there'll be comments back saying, no, I think it should be ABC instead. All right. That is, and that's a, that's a perfect segue into the next kind of question and topic. Um, and again, it's so great that, the, you know, the CEO is so involved. Um, so how do you counteract comments from leadership? And, and I would actually say leadership or employees, uh, knowing myself, I, I'm just going through the hiring process and Rudy is helping me so much with that. Um, when you hear a comment uh, saying, we just hire or promote the best person of the job, regardless of race or gender. So how do you deal um, with comments like that? I would say, I agree. Hire the best <laughs> person for the job. The, the problem is that oftentimes, um, you know, processes, uh, systems are set up in such a way that the best person for the job happens to be a white male. <laughs> That's not a coincidence. Um, you know, but I, I think if you are able to do things, um, say, in an unbiased way, if I were to give you two resumes without any identifiers, no country identifiers, nothing like that, on paper, which one would you choose? There's a good, you know, you've got a 50-50 chance of whether it's gonna be a white male or not. 
Um, but if you can, if you can look at your systems and processes critically, um, then you can remove a lot of the biases and discriminations that are built into them. Mm -hmm. Wow. I totally agree with you, Rudy. I agree too. You should hire the best person possible. And I agree. You have to start with the systems and processes. And it's a multi-prong approach. You know, first of all, in terms of the recruitment, um, well, even before the recruitment, you really have to work with managers on what are the competencies that you're looking for. And it's shocking. And Rudy, you can probably agree with this, that many of us in the hiring piece of it, we don't even have it totally figured it out. We just think that this is what we think we want and we haven't done the work that we need to do. But if you're able to start with what are the competencies, what are the behavior, what are so-and-so that you need, the skill sets for this role, you can be able to start that in unbiased process. And then you, um, a talent acquisition team, really look into the pool. You know, where do we find candidates in various pools so that you can be as open to diverse pools as possible. And then on the other hand, on the front end, you really have to train managers self-awareness, take it beyond the superficial, beyond um, what it means to be biased so that they can really understand and understand their own biases. And then you put all that together, that's when you're able to really be able to filter out um, all the biases and you know, hire, find the best person. By the time you get to the present the candidate pool, you really will have the best candidate that, is, that will be diverse and so forth. Yeah, I think, there's also, I think there's also opportunities to be proactive and say, for example, hiring newcomers to Canada mm -hmm. uh, as part of diversifying your, your pool. Uh, and there's lots of uh, local and provincial supports as far as hiring um, newcomers to Canada. So there are ways to, uh, to diversify that way as well. I agree too. And also the disabled uh population and so forth. There's so much work that we can do there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, agreed. Those are some great insights. And I know even myself, I, I think that um, I the word, you know, the unconscious bias and even myself trying to understand what my own biases are, um, especially, like I said, I'm going through a hiring process and, and it's hard and it's definitely something that um, I think we all we all could, you know, work harder at, uh, for sure. So then mm -hmm. the next kind of topic is, you know, and what value does diversity and diversity of all types? I mean, you touched on a few, just a few minutes ago with, you know, you know, new people to the country, um, you know, persons of disabilities. So, and, and Rudy, I love that you, you know, brought this up at the beginning. There's so much data around this. So what value do, does diversity bring to organizations? Um, so, yeah, there is, there is a lot of data out there as far as companies that are more diverse. And I don't know the percentages off the top of my head, but they are more profitable experience, lower turnover, higher engagement. Uh, are more creative. Um, you know, I, I can also speak to it uh, on an individual level, um, just working with a diverse group of people. Um, I know has forced me to manage people differently, has made me more empathetic 
um, it, it really makes me think about how I speak to people. Um, and when I've hired people myself and managed people, um, I'm always keeping in the back of my mind, I'm not looking for myself. I'm not trying to hire myself and I'm not managing myself. Um, so, you know, so that's what it is for me. I, as far as the working world goes and me as an individual, it, I think it's made me a better person and a stronger manager. That's beautiful. And I agree with you too, Rudy. Um, for years, we've always heard and we've always been giving data on how important diversity, equity, inclusion is to the organization, how it is profitable and so forth. But I think it's so important to really bring it down to the organization and individual level, because that's where we make the impact. And we do this by going back to what exactly a human needs. We all want to be seen and heard and that we're valued so that we could be, um, we could show up as our own authentic self. And this is where the real magic or the different really happens. And this is when we individually like Rudy says, we are most creative in a flow because we feel safe. So for employees, knowing that they are seen and heard and a value, that translates to so much. That is the best engagement and retention strategy that you can have. And also when they feel that way, this can, this can only help to make them feel more um, valued and more creative, the way they show up at work, how they show up to our customers, how they show up at home, and also how they show up to the community. So there's so much um, ways in the, the, where the impact can be seen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think the last, um, you know, where I would, you know, I think it's going to be great to get your insights. And I think it, it goes back to everything that you just said, and you know, mentioned before about you know, understanding that we all have biases and, and that's okay because it's a place to start and we can all make mistakes and grow. Um, and then kind of what would you offer for advice on advocating um, for diversity, equity, and inclusion with people in the organization, you know, colleagues, you know, for maybe some of our listeners, colleagues who don't understand the importance of this? Well, I can only say that we have to meet people where they are and everyone, and remember that everybody comes from a different perspective um, and we need to just listen and suspend our judgment and through education and share experience and so forth, we will move there. We will get there, but it's going to be, a, it is, it won't be a fast process, but that's okay yeah. too. Just continue, be consistent and continue to move and that we are all on this journey together. Yeah, I, I was going to say it's, it's another one of those things that happens one conversation at a time. Um, but but I, I, I do think it starts with really kind of listening. And to your point, Angie, it's meet them where they are. Um, I mean, I have, I have friends who, um, who have no perspective of what my experience is as a visible minority. Um, you know, my experience with the police or Canadian Border Services is completely different from their experiences. Um, some of them don't believe some of the things <laughs> that they've gone through. <laughs> um, you know, and again, it, it takes a while for them to get it. It wasn't until I went to the US with one of my friends um, 
and I got, you know, interrogated by border services. And he's like, oh, I get it now. I'd never experienced this before because every time he'd been from the U.S. to Canada, it was like, go ahead. Uh, and it was the first time we'd been uh, we'd been stopped and asked questions and had the car basically torn apart. And <laughs> nice. so it was a completely different experience. And it opened his eyes about what a visible minority might go through versus a, uh, a white male. Yeah, I, I go into I think, too, Rudy, I agree with you. I think we're also at a very special time. I think COVID really under, helped us understand in many ways we are all connected. And because of that, many of us are starting to share our stories um, much more than in the past. And you can definitely see a movement uh, toward more understanding and more support of each other. So we are moving one step at a time, but we'll get there. Yeah, if there's one good thing that's come out in the past few years, it's people are being much more vocal uh, about things like Black Lives Matter and mm. uh, equality, women's rights. Uh, those things are much more at the forefront than I think they ever have been. I agree. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, that's one of the reasons that drew me to the HBA, you know, in the first place. Um, was looking at what they were doing for, for women and, and for diversity and inclusion. So we're at time, but I wanted to just let you, you know, give our listeners and our audience just one, you know, one piece of advice, um, you know, on, on everything sort of, it could be anything we touched on or, or just, you know, if they're looking to be more seen or, you know, in the organization, if they don't have any DNI programs, um, what they can do. So, yeah, if you just want to kind of give um, any sort of pieces of advice for the audience, that would be great. Do you want to go first, Rudy? Uh, okay. <laughs> Hot seat. I, I, honestly, I, I think I've said it before. It's overwhelming. Um, if you try to do everything at once, you're not going to get anything done. Um, <laughs> one thing at a time. Um, you, you know, from an individual level, if you can, it, it's important to have the one person that you can reach out to uh, and feel safe with. Um, it can be an HR person or it can just be a colleague. Um, if you can find that one person, I think it makes a difference. Um, changes in DNI typically start with one person. Mm -hmm. So it's important to find that one. That's a beautiful one, Rudy. And I agree. I think we all start with ourselves. Ourselves willing to listen, our, willing to learn, be curious. Um, and it's okay, you don't know. And just admit it. We can all learn from each other. But just start being aware and, um, and start working on yourself. And this will, um, this will, you know, really, we start with ourselves and we can change around us, change people around us, change the world around us but just one step of time and start with you. This is, this has been so great. And I can't thank you both enough um, on, you know, behalf of the HBA and, you know, all of our members, thank you, Angie and Rudy for coming onto the podcast today and talking about diversity and inclusion. And I wish you both the best of luck with your initiatives and Rudy, I'll be seeing you tomorrow at our statement of commitment meeting. <laughs> so again, thank you so much guys. Thank, Thank you, Christina.
I want to give a big thanks to our HBA community for listening today. I am Christina Bellier, Marketing and Communications Board Member, your host for today's podcast. And until next time, let's push boundaries and rise together.